excellent song in preparation for the message today. If you'll open your Bibles again to Ezekiel chapter 37 and just mark them as we'll reference this passage in the message this morning. I'm going to preach a message entitled, Mission Not Impossible. Uh, mission uh, not uh, impossible. I, uh, I, uh, I don't know how uh, to best ask or beg uh, your attention uh, here this morning. And uh, those that are watching uh, online, I believe today's message is a message of tremendous hope. And uh, we see uh, a message of reality in the scripture this morning. And yet we see uh, great hope. Aren't you glad that God is in control and he is our hope uh, this morning? Uh, Heavenly Father, I pause to pray, not, not because I'm required to or have it, but Lord, I do hunger for the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning. Uh, Lord, I, I wish there was some way I had time to sit down in every person's home and just discuss Ezekiel chapter 37. But Lord, I pray that you would help me with every thought, every word, the way I would word a sentence, and may I be filled with your spirit today. Lord, I hunger for you to work in our nation. I hunger for you to work in our church. I pray that you'd bless the message, the truth this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Around 597 B.C., some 10,000 Jews were taken captive from the land of Israel some 600 miles away to the land of Babylon. There in Babylon, they would be retrained or they would be trained to serve the ungodly ruler of the world. Among those captives of the 10,000 was a young man by the name of Ezekiel who was a prophet of God. Now he was a part of that captivity. And the book of Ezekiel is divided into two portions. The first portion tells us of judgment to come and the second portion tells us of deliverance. Please understand as a child of God we are a winner either way. No matter what happens, you and I are going to heaven. However, he does give us principle for victory in our temporary time here on earth. Ezekiel was given visions from the Lord. God does not work in that way today by giving dreams and visions. He has given to us what Peter called a more sure word of prophecy. He gives us the word of God. But in the days of Ezekiel, he was given visions from the Lord for 20 years. And he faithfully served the Lord by taking that vision from God and delivering that message to the people, whether it was a message of judgment or it was a message of hope. Of the visions that Ezekiel had, there is one of them that stands out above all others. Most likely you have heard a sermon or even a song about the valley of dry bones. 
And in this passage of Scripture, Ezekiel is carried. He is taken to a valley. And he is set down in a valley where he is surrounded by bones, dry bones all around him. And he promises, God promises through the prophet Ezekiel that this dead nation will one day come alive again and will raise them to victory for God's glory. Now, the difficult part of this, Ezekiel was in that valley of dry bones and he was commanded to preach to them. When he did preach to them, he saw those bones start coming together. He saw muscle coming on the bones and skin to cover those and those bodies coming together. He sees them standing up, God tells him to pray or prophesy again to the wind. And the Spirit of God fills them and they become a mighty army. What a, what a story that it is and what a picture it is and how it helps us because you see, like Ezekiel, we are surrounded by those who are dead in trespasses and sins. Everywhere we look, there is evidence of death that dominates our world. And like Ezekiel, we have been out to preach to a valley of dry bones, those that are dead in their trespasses and sins, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some do not have enough faith in God because their circumstances bring a fear that conquers their faith and so they stay quiet. Some, thank God, have a faith in God that overcomes the fear of the circumstances and they preach the word of God to see only what God can do in miracle form bring them back to life. Now today as we look at our world, we have legitimate concerns for the church. We have legitimate concerns for the children of this generation. We have legitimate concerns for our country, a nation as it is in its sovereignty today. We fear where it is headed. And so as we think of that, I want to give you three things from this passage of Scripture helping to encourage us to be faithful to serve God in difficult circumstances. First of all, I want to say we see today what Ezekiel saw then. What did he see? Well, he was in a valley where he saw death. And death had been there and visited some time ago because the bones that were everywhere, they spoke of death. Many bones in one place, it was most likely that Ezekiel was in a place uh, in the aftermath of a great battle. And one of the worst insults a Jew could suffer was that he was denied a proper burial and his body was left on the battlefield to rot and decay. Here is a valley that's filled with the bones of the dead. They're defeated by their enemies. They're left to rot where they fell. But Ezekiel saw a vision of death coming to life on a massive scale. Now, although the people around us are living their lives and working their jobs and enjoying their hobbies, 
while they may be charming, intellectual, and reasonable, if they do not know Christ as Savior, they are dead in their trespasses and sins. And until the Holy Spirit quickens men and women to spiritual life, they are dead. How we need to ask the Lord to open our eyes this morning and see the world around us as it really is. Jesus was doing that with his disciples when he said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Jesus was saying to his disciples what that vision was saying to Ezekiel. He is saying they're already dead in their trespasses and sins and they need the gospel. Jesus said there's no time to delay. We must be urgent in our work. Not only did Ezekiel see death, Ezekiel saw devastation. It's interesting to note these words describe the bones as to say they were very dry. They had been on that battlefield under the heat of the sun until the bones were dry. And that is the very condition of the lost who live around us. Think about it. Sometimes when you go and you give the gospel or you attempt to give the gospel, it seems as though you're speaking to dry bones. There's no interest or even seeming ability to hear and understand. Many of us experienced yesterday folks receiving a gospel track but not seeing uh, the urgency or the need for Christ in their life. They're satisfied with the things around them not recognizing they are dead in their trespasses and sin. We not only see death and devastation, uh, we see terrible defeat. The nation of Israel was defeated and they had reached a place where they saw no way out of their captivity and there was no hope for the future. May I say, those that are without Christ, and if you're listening to me today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, uh, you've never had a time that you said, Lord, I want you to forgive me of my sin and be my Savior. Uh, friend, you are in that same condition as the valley of dry bones uh, were in. And we need to understand it doesn't matter how much money is in the bank, what our health report is, uh, what our possessions are, what matters most is what our relationship is between us and the Lord Jesus Christ. We see defeat all around us. Without ceasing this week, 24-7, the news agencies have reported the hopelessness and the helplessness in our nation around the world. We see restlessness of nations right now. We see upheavals in the culture of our society in America. We see the condition of our labor force, of our workforce, and we're wondering 
How are we going to get out of this idea that you can receive something for nothing and not work? And what is going to be the ramifications of all of this mess of folks not working and, and, and all that we see of illegal immigrants and we see of the turmoil inside our nation? We see what Ezekiel saw on the field defeat too late somebody should have been here years ago it's too late and sometimes that's how we feel when we see the world I was reading this week about uh, missionary William Carey and, uh, and, and, and William Carey in the 1700s he was just a small man he lived in England he was a cobbler by trade he kept a map of the world on his wall and uh, in his workshop so he could pray for the nations of the world. And he did so uh, on a regular basis every day. Uh, he became burdened for a definite missionary outreach. His heart became overwhelmed to say, this country right here needs the gospel. I need to do something about that. He heard of a meeting where a group of pastors, what we may refer to today as a pastor's fellowship, and he went to that meeting where preachers were gathered, and he told the men of God that he had a burden to take the gospel to that nation. One of the men, a representative of that group, said to William Carey, and I quote, Young man, sit down. When God wants to convert the heathen, he will do it without your help or mine. But William Carey did not let that fire, that burden to see those people hear the gospel, he didn't let that fire be dampened by their response. And he left the shores of England for the shores of India where he engaged in a pioneer, a pioneer missionary work and as a result saw many, many people come to Christ as Savior. Folks, that's how we must see around us in our nation today men lost, men lost in their condition. And though they may be rebellious and though their vocabulary may stir us at times to anger, we must see that their greatest need is the Word of God. It's interesting that God then asked Ezekiel a question. How would you answer this question? Can these bones live? I'm not sure I would have had the faith even Ezekiel had. Now Ezekiel did not say yes they can, but he did not say no. He said, Lord, thou knowest. He was saying if they can live, it's up to you. He then tells Ezekiel, he said, I want you to prophesy or I want you to preach. And he told him to preach a message to hope, not to people who were asleep, not to people who were dead, but just the bones that were left of people that once lived and fought in that army. He said, I want you to preach, prophesy upon these bones and say, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Nothing could be more foolish or ridiculous to preach to a bunch of dry bones. 
What is more difficult than to confront a world of lifeless, useless, often hopeless men and women with the word of the gospel, something they don't want to hear? And yet our obligation is clear. Our obligation is not based on their willingness to listen. Our obligation is based on the command of God to us to say, you preach the word of God to them whether they want to listen, whether they can listen or not. Are you with me this morning? Do you see that picture? We often say, well, they don't want to hear. Why should we go? God answers the question right here. Even though they don't want to hear, even though they don't want a gospel track, even though they don't want to hear the gospel, why should you go? Because God commanded us to go, not to those who are hungry for the gospel, but to those that are dead in their trespasses and sins. Why? Because the power is not in the one who delivers the gospel. The power is in the word of God itself. The Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What the world needs is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It does not matter if they want to hear. What matters if the Christian, what matters if the young man called to preach is willing to be obedient and deliver the gospel anyway for the power of the gospel is not able to help the living. It is able to take the dead and make them a living soul. Excuse me while I get excited about the power of the gospel of Christ. The world needs to hear the truth that Jesus died on the cross to save sinners. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. They need to hear that not only he died for their sin, but he rose again from the dead to save those that will come to him. They must hear there is hope in Christ. There is love in Christ. There is life in Christ. There is salvation in Jesus Christ. They need to hear about him. And it's our responsibility to tell them of the wonderful grace of Jesus. Now what's interesting, if you look at verse number 8, the Bible says, And when I beheld, lo, the sinews, that's muscle, and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. So he's gone from bones to a corpse. He's gone from bones to a dead body. There's no breath. There's no life in them. 
Oh, but how I love what God says to Ezekiel. He said, I want you to prophesy to the wind. I want you to pray to the God of heaven. God is the giver of life. And after he had preached the word to them, he then prayed to the God of heaven. And the wind, the breath of God began to blow. And those that had gone from dry bones just to a dead corpse, they came alive because of the Spirit of God. Understand this morning, the power is not in the preacher. The power is not in the hearer. The power is in the Word of God. Oh, how strong the Bible is. We don't need another philosopher of ideas. We don't need another round of theories taught to the children of this generation. We need the Word of God. We need the Word of God, the Word of Christ. That's what needs to be taught and needs to be preached. Thank God for the life that came in. A preacher of yesteryear said, it's not the arithmetic of our prayers, how many they are nor the rhetoric of our prayers, how eloquent they are, nor the geometry of our prayers, how long they may be, nor the music of our prayers, how sweet our voice may be, nor the logic of our prayers, how argumentative they may be, nor the method of our prayers, how orderly they may be, which God cares for is the fervency of spirit, and that is what availeth much in the presence of God for a prayer is asking God to breathe and move. That's why this morning I made my way here early before the sun rose to say, God, the sermon is prepared, but all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. It's not an outline. It's not a poem. It's not a song. It's the power of the Almighty God that would bless the Word of God that would make the church alive. Verses 10 through 14, we see an absolute miracle. It is not mission impossible, it's mission not impossible. We see a resurrection of life. You and I are going to see our picture in verses 10 through 14. For you see in response to the preaching and response to the praying of Ezekiel and God moving in power, amazing things took place when God brought those dead bones to life. We read, or we read in verse number 10. Verse number 10, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Now I want to point out there is a difference here. First of all, they that were dead, they came alive. May I say this morning, the same thing happens when we share the gospel and power of the Holy Spirit. For you see, even the good religious man like Nicodemus was blind in his sin. He could not see the kingdom of God. He was bound in his sin. He could not enter the kingdom of God. He was born in his sin. He could not inherit the kingdom of God. But he was quickened to life again by the power of God. And he was born again a child of God and became joint heirs with Jesus, a born again child of God. 
And then they stood up on their feet. God brought them to life. He caused them to stand before him. Hence is the answer to a people in our day coming to life. They not only are made alive in Christ, they stand and volunteer for service for Christ. A volunteer for Jesus, a soldier true. Then the Bible says they're transformed into an exceeding great army. One moment, they're dead bones filling a valley. The next, they're a mighty living army ready for the Lord's use. Let me have your attention right here. This is exactly what the church is today. For you see, you and I were all dead in our trespasses and sins. We were as the dry bones in the valley. Can these bones live, Ezekiel, Lord? Thou knowest. Ezekiel preached the word to these bones. Somebody came to your house and to mine. Somebody stood in a Sunday school class, a vacation Bible school, a camp on a bus route, and they told you about Jesus, and that which was dead came alive. You came to church. You went to a church. This morning, this crowd here and the crowd over at Clay's Mill Road and then some 45 churches of men that used to sit in these pews, they're now out doing the same thing. And once once what was just dry bones is now a living church that stands and says, I'll volunteer to be a witness. I'll volunteer to teach a class. I'll volunteer to sing in the music. And what once was a valley of dry bones is now a living army. And that's what the church is. We were nothing but bones that were dead in our trespasses and sin. What made the difference? It wasn't the preacher. It was the word that the preacher gave. That brought life. And today as a mighty army, we're moving forward in victory week after week and year after year. We're seeing the church multiplied. Young men sitting all over this auditorium this morning preparing for the gospel ministry where they will one day go to a town and they'll begin to preach to dry bones. The word of the Lord and another army will rise. May I say to you today, the hope for America is not another organization. It's not another government program. It's not another group of folks coming together, and I'm not against those things. But the hope, you see, is the work of the local church because it's not the organization of the local church. It's not the people of the local church. It's the power of the local church that makes us alive, not only among ourselves, but able to stand before God. You see, other organizations, unless they're a child of God, they may make a difference among them, but they can't stand before God. The child of God who has been filled with the Spirit of God You and I have the responsibility. We have the right to stand before him. And I've gone before him this morning on behalf of those that are not saved. I've gone before him this morning on behalf of those that will hear the message this morning saying, God, you know if they can live. And God said, it's not your job to make them alive. It's just your job to tell them what I said. 
I tell you this morning, this book right here is the power and the hope not only for life, but reviving the church, reviving your life, reviving the Sunday school, reviving the soul winning. This book is the power of God unto salvation. How wonderful it is when we read in the book of Acts in chapter 1, the Bible says that Jesus had already promised the coming of the Holy Spirit. He did that in John chapter 14. In Acts chapter 1, he ascends to heaven and they're waiting in the upper room. What are they waiting for? They're alive. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. And that day of Pentecost, the Bible said it came as a mighty rushing wind. Oh, dear friend, and it filled them. And they went out under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit. And they turned the world upside down. They said to that crowd in Jerusalem, We told you not to teach or preach anymore in his name. But you have given your doctrine to every person in Jerusalem. Thank God. While not everybody may trust Christ as Savior, everybody can know of the hope and life that they have promised in Christ. So you look at the world today and you say, Preacher, I don't see any hope. What do you think Ezekiel saw? I don't see any help. These bones are not just bones. These are dry bones. It's been a long time. Preach. Preach my word. What the world needs is Jesus. Stand with me this morning. If you're here, you're listening to me. You've never received Christ as your Savior. It's not joining a church. It's not being religious. It is not. That gives you eternal life. It's you by faith receiving the promise of God's word. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You hear this morning, you haven't received him. You ought to receive him as your Savior this morning. You hear this morning as a child of God, and God allows you to see a city, a town, a country, a nation, a people as a valley of dry bones. And God says, Son, can these bones live? Lord, Thou knowest God's response would be, preach the word to them. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God and thank you for the hope. Thank you for the life, the power that's in your word. Sometimes as a preacher, I pay more attention to what I think is the response of the people rather than understanding our responsibility is to proclaim the word. The power is not in my ability or illustration. The power is in your word. My job is just to deliver it. Lord, thank you for the word of God. And oh God, may we see the hope of our nation is to see your word multiplied around us. Bless our invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.